December of 2014, I woke up and was not, I mean, I literally, that was the, that was the, that was the beginning of a very severe case of burnout, depression. It was, it was one of the hardest periods of my life, realizing that all of this success that was so important to me meant nothing. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Wednesday, and in these episodes, Sangram and myself, James Carberry, focus on personal development. We'll share books and other resources that are helping us get a little bit better every single day. And remember, like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Welcome to the Flip My Funnel podcast. My name is Carlos Hidalgo. I am the author of The Un-American Dream, and I am super excited and delighted to have with me today a long-term colleague, a dear friend, and someone that I have collaborated with and learned a ton from over the last decade plus, Jill Rowley. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Carlos. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. So Jill, I could go on, talk about our history, talk about you, your career, but nobody is able to introduce themselves better than the individual. So for those who don't know your name, don't know your pedigree, give a little bit of background about yourself. Yeah, great. So I grew up in a small town in Chesapeake, Virginia. I went to Great Bridge High School fact, my 30-year reunion is happening in October. My 30-year high school reunion, my 25-year college reunion is happening summer. So I'm old, 46 years old, and grew up in a, in a small town. My dad was in the Navy. My mom worked in real estate. And I'm the first in my family to get a four-year college degree. I was uh, fortunate enough to get into the University of Virginia and smart enough to pursue the the comm school, McIntyre School of Commerce is the undergraduate school at, at UVA. Mm-hmm. And I've just always been been business minded and, and, and business oriented and business driven and loved loved that education. Um graduated from UVA in ninety four. And, you know, I, 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 I majored in, in finance at UVA. We didn't call it finance. We called it finance. <laughs> and we didn't really major. We had concentrations, Carlos. And the reason, I think there's twofold. The reason I picked up finance, one was um, I was told that, that the jobs paid more mm-hmm. if you had a finance degree. And two, there was a really cute professor. <laughs> Whatever gets you there, right? Yeah, exactly. Whatever gets you there, you know, the, the mentor who decides he's going to, you know, take you under his wing and, and help you get there. But then after, you know, in graduating, you've got a couple of choices when you look at a job and a finance major can take you to Wall Street, which, no, that wasn't going to happen for me and, um, or consulting. And so I went down the path of consulting, optimized for projects where I would get to travel so I was staffed on projects in Chicago, San Francisco, Hawaii, and each of those projects, I would get to fly home on the weekend or fly wherever basically I wanted up to the same cost. So I optimized for travel in the first few years of my career. 
and then what what really where things really started to to fall into place was when I joined salesforce.com in 2000 so this is pre we didn't call it SaaS we didn't call it cloud this right. was really the early days of Benioff saying no software and the delivery model the software being via a web browser and so I think what 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 kicked off there was this certainly this passion for tech, but also this desire to 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 to, to be part of something fundamentally different. Be a disruptor. Um, totally, yes. Which is, I mean, I guess I've always been a disruptor and just had that personality, right? I'm I'm someone who's really curious. I love to learn. I feel like education is freedom and so i'm you know I'm, i want my freedom and i want i want equality i want equal access to do whatever it is i want i want my kids to have equal access to do whatever they want and so you know i have this constant need to be learning and then what on the flip side when i when i see something i can't unsee like a statistic that is just wrong the example would be in venture capital, that only 2% of the $130 billion of venture capital deployed in 2018, only 2% of those dollars went to female founders. Wow. That's wrong. Wow. Like anybody yeah, with a brain. You, and you can't unsee that. That's un-American. It's really, it's just, it, it, it's inhumane. Yeah, it's more I, than un-American, it's just inhumane. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. So, so let me ask you about the venture capital because you know you 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 I love and I love how you talk about what you optimized your career for. So maybe that bleeds into this question because a, a lot of the people who are going to hear you and see your name go, oh yeah, that's Jill from either Marketo or Jill from Eloqua, and a few of us who knew about the Salesforce.com days. So you've really you really made and I'm you can't see me, but I'm using air quotes your mark, so to speak in the sales tech, in the MarTech space. But you've made a pivot recently. So talk yep. about that pivot, because I do know you as one who optimizes for certain things within your career. So really, what led to that pivot? What, you know, give us some insight into that. Yeah, that's a great, great question. And, and I would say it is more incremental than a hard pivot. Okay. And, and, it, and it's another layer to the complexity of, of my career and of, of of the body of work I want to do while I am still here. And um, what's beautiful about it, 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 it just builds on inbound. And I was at Marketo and I got a call late August, or sorry, late July, early August of 18. I just got on an NDA with Marketo. We were, were speaking with multiple parties who had an interest mm -hmm. in acquiring us. Uh, I'm choosing my words carefully, Carlos. And that uh, absolutely. Have <laughs> <laughs> Wait, as soon as I said NDA, I said, "Oh gosh, I got to be careful what I say here." <laughs> right. Just in case there's a lawyer listening. Well, and, and the, there were, you know, everyone knows that Adobe acquired Marketo for 4.75 billion. But not everybody doesn't know who else, right? Sure. Who else was looking to to make the acquisition? So those are the things I have to keep quiet. 
so anyways, I get this call after having signed the NDA, knowing that the end quote was probably near with Marteau, because I was, I was there to help with that process, right? And, and I knew I wouldn't stay on in the new environment. So I get a call from Mark Roberge, and Mark and I, just to build on the, the layers, so I had spent 10 years at Eloqua, right? I was employee number 13 at Eloqua. Eloqua was actually one of Salesforce.com's customers. So I was the sales rep at Salesforce for Eloqua. And mm-hmm. I started using Eloqua as a sales rep at Salesforce. And then I left Salesforce. I'm not going to go into the story. We don't have enough time. But I left in 2002 and I joined Eloqua. Mm-hmm. And so then I spent 10 years building the marketing automation space. And after Eloqua, I got a call from Mark Roberge at HubSpot, somewhat of a competitor to Eloqua, yep. but not really. You know that, right? Definitely in the same ecosystem, but yeah, not a head to head for sure. Yeah, not a head to head. Now, who was more head to head right there in the middle? Marketo was a competitor to Eloqua. Marketo was a competitor to HubSpot. Right. So here is HubSpot coming to me and Mark asking me about advising HubSpot, not on their marketing automation product, but on their new sales product. And back then it was called Sidekick. And so HubSpot was launching a new product for salespeople. And I had just been spending a bunch of time really getting my arms around sales enablement as a category. So when I left Oracle, Oracle acquired Eloqua. You're going to have to have like diagrams to map this all out for people, Carla. <laughs> <laughs> like just a timeline would be helpful for people. But when Eloqua was acquired by Oracle and I left Oracle, I started to really focus on, on sales and sales enablement, and sales skills and sales training and social selling and digital selling and and so at HubSpot, Mark um, was launching this new product. He brought me in to help with that. And a couple of years go by and I get the call from them and saying that Mark had met this guy, Jay Poe, who was at Bessemer Venture Capital. And I knew Bessemer because Bessemer was on the board of Eloqua. And I knew Byron Dieter because Byron Dieter is like the godfather of SaaS. He's one of the mm-hmm. great venture capitalists in the SaaS world. The Cloud 100 does an annual event with them in partnership with Salesforce. And and so Mark and Jay start to tell me about this idea that they have for a new venture fund. And I'm getting super excited. Like literally, I remember vividly having these conversations and just not not feeling like this was real. And so I I started, they, they basically said, look, we've observed this pattern. I love patterns, pattern recognition. It's, it's so important to be able to have that pattern recognition skill. But they had recognized this pattern that these startups, the entrepreneurs had great ideas. You know, they got from the napkin idea phase to the minimum viable product to product market fit. And then all of a sudden, they had to engineer their go-to-market and they didn't really know much about go-to-market. They didn't know how to build a repeatable revenue engine, but at the same time, they they needed to raise more capital because they needed to to grow. And 
So they were taking this capital prematurely before they had actually really architected their go-to-market model. And so what we were going to do at stage two capital is, is, is say, look, there's a, there's a period between post-seed and series A where you need some breathing room to really get your go-to-market engineered and optimized right. and constructed. And so why don't we come in and, and fund, do a smaller round of funding. And what we've done in this new venture fund is we've raised the $15 million that we're deploying from go-to-market experts. And nice. it just it just made so much sense to me. The problem that, that Stage 2 set out to solve and the way that we were committed to solving it and you know, look, I hate to say this, but I, I think I got the call first and foremost because I'm a woman. You don't need three partners for a new $15 million venture fund. That the, the, the economics don't support it. So they they wanted diversity in the fund, and, and I checked the diversity box. And, and as, as I've said to you, you know, once I started to see the, the data around women in venture capital and how few women there are in the industry, it, it felt like an opportunity to, for me to come into a new, a, a newer market, right? I, I, everyone knows who I am in MarTech. Everyone knows who I am in sales tech. Mm-hmm. People know who I am in marketing operations. They know who I'm in sales enablement. They know who I am in social selling, all around B2B. But, but venture capital, like Joe Rowley is not a known but but from what you described, it is giving you an opportunity there to disrupt again, right? So to to maybe change and, and make and get that two percent to a five percent to a 10, 15, 20, 25, and you're doing venture capital differently. So kind of not in tech, but it's almost Salesforce all over again, right? When you were taking on Siebel, which had owned the market for so long, yep. you're disrupting yep. and now you're disrupting again. So what what I've been so intrigued by even though you have, you and I are not like uh, t- talking on the phone on a weekly, is when I think of disruption, I think so much we think about business. But you have been what I'm just I'm going to use the word vulnerability, uh, which I yeah. always appreciate. But on on social media, you've been very vulnerable about how you have allowed whether either you've embraced it, allowed it, or caused it in your own life, both personally and professionally. I've done some homework and I follow you. So on Twitter, yep. you talked about, I need to be more intentional. And then you also had, you know, had a hashtag about family first, which you and I have both communicated with each other saying that was not, unfortunately for us, that was not always the case. So when you think about your highly driven uh, woman, your accolades speak for themselves. You you succeeded in multiple industries. Now you're you're going into this new space. So a new challenge, you want to disrupt that. Talk yep. about all of that. Like what is beyond just the pers- the professional stuff, what is really driving that? And are you more focused on the personal side than the professional side? What does that boundary slash balance look like for you? Yeah, so very much decided when we picked up and moved from the Bay Area, my mm-hmm. husband and I, I grew up in Virginia. He grew up in Florida. So we're both from the East Coast. He went to Stanford. He graduated in 86 and stayed out in the Bay Area, not in tech, but in consulting. 
and mm-hmm. he's been in the same industry for 35 years. We just celebrated our 15th wedding anniversary. We just celebrated the 20th anniversary of our first kiss. Mm-hmm. And we knew each other for a year and a half before we ever had our first kiss. So just to set the context of the relationship, because I think what what is so important for people to understand about my ability to be, to have achieved so much success in my career, uh, one, there is this just internal drive that I have, Mm -hmm. right? That, that just this, this passion that drives me. And this, you know, at some point people could call it a chip on my shoulder. I've got something to prove. That is, is definitely part of who I am. My husband has been a, 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 just a grounding force in my, in me as a human, and in in, in guiding my my career and our family. And I, I think we just woke up at some point in the Bay Area and just realized how all consumed my career had become, mm-hmm. and. Like, I didn't have anything outside of my career that I really enjoyed. I don't have, I don't have hobbies. Certainly, I love to hang out with our kids and doing stuff with our kids and, and, and being part of a family and all of that. But they're like, my husband plays golf. I don't play golf. Right. I read books, right? I read books about growth. I read books about being a great marketing leader. I read books about sales acceleration formula. I read books about conversational marketing. Like those are my, that's, that's my hobby. And so I think the, the, uh, and now I've already forgotten what the question was, Carlos. Isn't that terrible? I should write it down. But um, (laughs) I was just talking about your, yeah, I was just talking about your vulnerability that you've really, you know, lately, I mean, going back to January, really, when you think about, you you were talking about being intentional and, and those types of things where you just mentioned your your career was all consuming. I, I lived that too for far too many years where even my daughter at one point, when I assured her that, Hey, when I'm on vacation, I work before you wake up. And her response was, yeah, but then you spend the rest of the day thinking about what you worked on. So completely busted first and foremost, but you've been really vocal on social media about this, almost this pivot that I've seen to say, yeah, it doesn't mean I'm not going to work hard, but you're not buying into that hustle mentality that's so prevalent today. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not doing it. And it's, and in fact, the word hustle is a trigger so much. Mm. So, so when we were doing, um, I'm on the advisory board of Nudge. And mm-hmm. Nudge is at Toronto, Paul Nima, Steve Wilson, Andrea Corey, my peeps from the early Eloqua days. And we were part of what we we're trying to do is is stop the hustle mentality because we don't we don't think more is the right approach to right. and more relevant, more specific, more intentional, more helpful, more personal, more more contextual. Um, we think that that's actually what is the right approach and so we wanted to come up with something against the word hustle and so we we i said fuck the hustle they said that that was probably not the right (laughs) thing to be promoting carlos hashtag fuck the hustle right so they they came up with hold the hustle and for a bit that was a a campaign that we used right and in fact there's so much of a 
um, uh, of, a, of an allergic reaction now I have to the word hustle that here in Charleston, there's a, a great young entrepreneur. She's, uh, she's created these blender bombs. And so they have like chia seeds and hemp seeds and just all this yummy stuff in them. Mm-hmm. And you pop them into your make a, make a smoothie every morning. Pop into your smoothie, it gets great, like consistency and her. But her company is named Hustle. Mm. And my daughter yesterday, yesterday, who by the way she hates these blender blender bombs. Two days ago, and yesterday she wants she wants to go get a smoothie with these blender bombs. That's part of being a mom of a 14 year old daughter, I think her right. is around. You've been there, right, Carlos? Like, yes. Like, yeah. Okay. So she says, so she says yesterday, we usually, our thing is we go to Starbucks and we get like chai lattes or we get whatever. I don't, I even, I paid her, I paid her $5 just to get in the car and go to Starbucks with me because I want to be with my daughter. Like I want to spend time with her. And, um, and so she says to me yesterday, well, why, why don't we go to hustle for these smoothies? Right, And it literally, it was a trigger word. Hold the hustle, fuck the hustle. The hustle will lead you down a path that it led me down. Right. And right. December of 2014, I woke up and was not, I mean, I literally, that was the, that was the, that was the beginning of a very severe case of burnout, depression. It was, it was one of the hardest periods of my life of realizing that all of this success that was so important to me meant nothing. And uh, I can, I so relate to that. Yeah. I, I, I can, I can so relate to that. I call 2000 and at the end of 2015 and 2016, my dark night of the soul where I literally had to deconstruct myself because I had put all of my, energy, all of my worth, all of my identity into my professional achievements. And you can't put all of yourself into one thing and all of yourself into the next thing. And so for me, what I found was my relationships deteriorated. And that was a cost that I should have never paid, um, never had permission to pay, even more importantly. And it's something we write, I, I write about and even my wife writes about in the book. And so I think hearing your story, I, I resonate with, and I think hopefully there's a lot of people listening who will resonate with. So with that, what were some of the changes you made to say, okay, I woke up in 2014 realize that it wasn't like one day you were like, okay, I'm, I'm going to, from this day forward, I'm going to hustle and put everything on the back burner. For me, at least it was a slow erosion where I'm like, oh my God, this is what I'm doing. But when you had that, what I call two by four in the face moment, what were some of the changes you made personally, or you made within your community of relationships to change and get to where you are today? Yeah. And and, and it actually was, pretty almost overnight where, and I think what happened was I knew I didn't have travel on my calendar for six weeks. And so, so, so somehow I made it to the point where I finished my last speaking engagement and I didn't have another one for six weeks. And, and so it, I just broke. I literally, I just broke. And, and so what, what I did, it was a long process. I went and got help, right? I, Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry. Um, I, um, my husband went with me and I went to the doctors 
And I thought that I had like a serious illness that I was going to get diagnosed with like a terminal illness or something. And it just, in, in, in talking to the doctor and saying the things that I was saying and answering the questions, I, I just, I realized um, I was suffering from depression and that I had had burnout and I needed to be on medication that I needed to be in therapy and mm-hmm. that um, I needed to figure out what was on, under all of this. Yeah. And, and it really was, it, 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 it was and still is this addiction to being recognized, to being acknowledged, to being, um, to being liked, to being, I don't know. It was, it was, it was this, I, I, you know, been building this brand and this, all these social media followers and, and it, and I was addicted to it. And I just, yes. and so from a, from a physical change, I stopped having my phone on me. And when I would get in the car to drive somewhere, I would put the phone in the trunk and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to have the phone attached. Right. And it was this, this, this uncoupling, this conscious uncoupling from the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? And and like it and and just and I remember walking, this is when we were still in California, walking down the the street and walking by the Starbucks and this woman, this really old lady, looking like she was lost. And and me and I was just leaving a therapy appointment and I didn't have my phone on me. I left it in the car. And I'm walking down the street and I see this old lady, she'll say she's lost. And I just, I say, can I help you? And then we start to talk and, and she's meeting someone at the Starbucks. And so I walk her to the Starbucks. I buy her a tea. We sit and we chat. And I remember thinking, oh my God, this never would have happened. I know. She had your phone. Right. Yeah. I never looked up. I Right. And I love hearing you talk about those changes because I had to do the same thing. And, and what you described, it is hard and it is emotional. And, you know, when I talked about these things on a TEDx stage, I, I, I got emotional in front of 450 women, which is always quite revealing and yeah. extremely an extremely vulnerable place vulnerable place to be. But I love when you talk about there was not only just the emotional and the mental and the spiritual changes you had to make, but the physical things. And what I hear, uh, so for me, I had to go drastic. I had to at 6.30 at night say, my phone is staying in my office or I'm taking off my Apple watch so I can't get notifications and I'm not working weekends. And I hear people go, oh, I could never do that. And I'm like, really? No, you can. It's a conscious choice that you have to make and you will be better for it. And I love hearing that you did those same things. And I have done those things and I continue to do those things like any, like any um, addiction. Right. And, and I, I use that word intentionally because they, addiction strikes, it doesn't, you know, it, 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 you're not, you're nobody's safe. Right. It doesn't strike anybody of any, any geography, any gender, any money or not money. It doesn't matter. And so I have to, like my husband, he monitors if, I, if I'm getting out of bounds, right? And we, and we talk very honestly about when I start to get out of bounds. And as you can imagine, when I start something new, I get really out of bounds. So when I started Marketo, 
look, we had moved to Charleston. I had moved across the country to get away from Silicon Valley because I was ready to get my life um, balanced, right? I was ready to get, I was ready to have a life outside of Silicon Valley and work. And so we moved to South Carolina where things are just slower here. And mm-hmm. I was doing a great job. I was, I was really adjusting. And then bam, I took the role at Marketo. And so for a year of living in Charleston, but not actually being here, it was tough. There were, I was, I was definitely going against what I had, what I had said was important to me, but I had my husband's support throughout the whole thing. It was for a period of time. We knew it was a, for, for, for a period of time. It was a career opportunity of a lifetime. And so I did it. And then Carlos, when I got the call about stage two and when, I wound things down at Marketo and I wound things up at stage two. I started to see myself doing the exact same thing. Right. Yeah, right? And right. imagine coming into a new venture capital. I don't know. I, I, like I have so much to learn. So all right. of a sudden I've got this category that I've got to figure out. So I started spinning and going crazy. And then my husband has to pull me back and say, why are you doing this? And and, 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 and so it's, it, look, it is a constant struggle and like, yes, it, it, but I'm, but I'm much more aware of it. I'm willing to talk about it. I don't want to be that person who works on weekends anymore. I don't want to be that person who anytime, any day, any channel, you call me, baby, I got your back. I had people's back that, that, that my kids couldn't get my attention. Right. I have four kids. Four, yes. Now they're 25, 24, 20, and 14. And my kids couldn't get my attention, but some random person on Twitter could. Yeah, I, I am. I, you, you can't see me again, but I'm sitting here nodding my head. And to tell the people who are listening the change, Joe, when I was trying to to schedule you for this, I remember there was a Friday, you're East Coast, I'm Mountain. I sent you a text probably about two o'clock your time. And it started with, hey, I hope you're you're in the throes or, or about to start your weekend. And I said something else. And your response was, yes, my weekend started two week, two hours ago when my best friend got here. And I was like, that's awesome. There's going to be no more engagement today. That was your notification to me. Hey, I'll get to you on Monday. But it, right. it is a total thing. And the, the thing I hear when you talk about your husband and I talk about Suzanne, my wife, so much being such a help is I can't, I know myself well enough to say if I'm just left to my own devices to figure this out, I, because I really enjoy my work and I want to, I want to do my best, I could work like crazy hours and go back to that, but I don't want to. And so I need to do this in community with my closest of relationships. And so I do check in as well and, and with my wife and say, how are we doing? If I have to move that boundary and be on a call with somebody overseas that's at eight o'clock at night, before I commit to that, I'm like, hey, do we have anything that we have to move? And, and I, so it's, I would love, I mean, we could just do a whole Another podcast when on some of the changes that have to be made, but I love hearing that you've done that in community. Well, and then to um, you know, it's so 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 we I've made the change. Like I'm committed to the change, and mm-hmm. and that just means I can't commit to I can't say yes like I used to. And so right. 2019, the the year of 2019, we we we, we semi jokingly say it's the year of Phil Rowley, my husband, because because 2018. It, you know, that was my year. I took that year when we were supposed to be moving to a new town 
and and excited about the back half of our lives and really looking for getting involved in the community. I enrolled in this program, Leadership Charleston, because I really wanted to understand economically. Because even though I, look, I don't really have hobbies. I love business. I love how things work. So I have figured out that it's okay that my hobbies are business related, right? Yeah. Like, meaning if I want to, if I want to have coffee with a young entrepreneur on the weekend, um, because I'm, because I'm, you know, I'm having a cup of coffee, right? That that's okay. But this uh, working on a spreadsheet on a PowerPoint deck on a, on a, that's just not happening on the weekends anymore. Like it's just, it's just, it's just not, and I'm not, and I'm not, I'm just not doing the things in it. And, and it also like drinking. Let's just talk about that. I, anyone who knows me, anyone who's listening knows I could party like the best of them. And I did Carlos. I, I mean, come on. Have you, have you ever seen me party like the best of them? We, yeah. I, I, I vaguely remember a Eloqua conference where we were, we were in the same group. So yes, I will attest yeah. to that. Yeah. Damn freaking good at it. Well, along with the depression and the burnout, guess what? Alcohol doesn't help. No. So I literally, because my therapist would not diagnose what was underlying, she, she kept wanting to diagnose me as an alcoholic. And I said, look, I'm not an alcoholic. Do I, am I reliant on alcohol right now? Am I drinking too much right now? Yes. But having been in a family where I see alcoholism, like true alcoholism, I'm not that person. And so I'm just going to quit drinking, right? I'm going to quit drinking so that you can then figure out what's really wrong with me. Right. And I actually found my own, Dr. Sherry Turkle, S-H-E-R-R-Y, Turkle, T-U-R-K-L-E. I found Dr. Sherry Turkle in my research in, in, in trying to figure out what was wrong with me. And she's the one who's been writing about the impact that technology has on humans for the past several decades. She's at MIT. She's incredible, Carlos. I've read, I've read some I, of her stuff and, and she is amazing. She's amazing. I got to meet her. I got to oh, meet her. I'm a, I'm a little and jealous. I got to, like, I got to tell her that she helped me like get to the other side of, of workaholism and all this other mm-hmm. stuff. And, and so, so, so it was, I haven't had a drink in over four years. Um, I'm afraid to drink again. It, it talk about hustle, right? The hustle culture. It's the alcohol culture. It's the yes. party culture. And we make like a joke about it. Oh Yeah. Yeah, like it's, oh, yeah. it's, 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 uh, Suzanne writes a lot about that in her chapter where it's this idea mm-hmm. of like it's wine 30 and, you know, hashtag mo- mommy's hour and things like that. And it's, it's, uh, you know, the, the recent stat that I, I read was one point, one in every seven Americans has a drinking problem. Doesn't mean you're an alcoholic, but it means you have a drinking problem. And, and I, I see it too. And it's, I have cut way, way back. I don't drink when I travel. I, we don't even have it here in the home. And on occasion, yep. if we go out, I'll have a beer or a glass of wine or something like that. But I, I'm with you. And congratulations on, on the four years. I think that's, that's quite an achievement. Yeah, thank you. It's been important to me and, and remains something that I'm committed to because I, you know, I don't really have a filter. I say, I, I just say how I, I see things. And, I, and another thing about my career, I was never on the leadership track, meaning, you know, for the sales force, for the 10 years I was at Eloqua, 
I was an individual contributor, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, quota carrying individual contributor. I didn't want to go the path of manager, director, VP, SVP. Mm -hmm. And the reason I didn't want to go to politics and probably politics. (laughs) And and as an individual contributor, the same, but probably too, why, why sales was such the right profession for me is the numbers are on the board. Right, right. And, and, and it doesn't matter what color you are, what culture you are, what gender you are, the numbers are on the board. And, and like I was consistently number one on the board and no one could argue with that. So I, I think, you know, going the leadership path, I didn't, I wasn't groomed to be a leader. I wasn't groomed to position things a certain way. And, and, and I've done all of my own PR in my whole career when I got fired from Oracle and I reached out to do a report at Business Insider and at the San Francisco Chronicle. Mm-hmm. Um, like I controlled, I, I controlled that. And right. no one told me, no one, no one's navigated my professional career more than my husband, right? He's, he's probably helped navigate me a bit, but even if, like, I just, I just, I don't have a filter. So when I'm drinking, it's really not a good thing. And it just, it just goes into the whole, just the whole old culture of hustle and, and, and grind and party and debauchery. Right. And I just, I just, for me, I did have a drinking problem, not an alcoholic, but definitely a drinking problem. So alcohol is out of my life until I don't know when, I don't know if I'll drink again. I'm not sure. Well, and it's not a decision you have to make now, but it, it's working for you. You've definitely you you've definitely done a lot of work, and I I think it's amazing. I love when you know the first time I ever mentioned going to therapy, somebody was like, "Wow, you you, you talk about that." And I'm like, "Well, yeah, it's it's real, and it's something that I think probably everybody would would benefit from. It's just the the length and the severity of it." So I I love that you've been so open and honest. And so one last question in the, in the few minutes we have remaining, we have people that we've got, you know, entrepreneurs, business leaders, marketing, salespeople, aspiring people who are aspiring to leadership. And, and while you didn't, I will, I will say, while you didn't achieve a quote unquote leadership position in your business, you definitely were a leader in the market and in the category that we both ran in for a long time. But looking back, I don't think you're old, but you said it. So I will say you're experienced. You've been in this space a long time. So you and I have both been through that gut-wrenching, soul-scraping kind of deconstruction of self to get to where we are and realize that this is a continual journey for us. We don't have it all figured out. But with the lessons that you've learned in, in about two minutes, what would you tell somebody who is a Jill Rowley or a Carlos Hidalgo 20 some years ago? So I think what I would say is be more intentional, right? And think longer term rather than just what's in front of you today. Relationships are everything. I really, really, you know, Porter Gale wrote the book, Your Network is Your Net Worth. Mm-hmm. And I've met Porter. She's phenomenal. I reached out to her when I... You know, I, I love the book. I love the name of the book more than anything. Your network is your net worth. That made so much sense to me. And what I would what I would say is build relationships intentionally. I would say give more than you take. And I talk about making deposits before mm-hmm. asking for withdrawals. 
I would, I would always look for ways to, to help other people. I think that's what, what I've, I've really centered my whole career on is in, in sales. Yes. The numbers on the board, but for me, the, 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 the real pleasure came from when a customer would be on the stage uh, winning an award for what they had done, right? For the for the bravery that they exhibited, the the risks that they took, the work that they underwent, and um, and so that 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 giving to other people and lifting other people, it, you can you can do that at any age us old people, we need to, we need to know what the younger people are, are hearing and seeing. So you always, no matter what age, stage of your career, you have something to give. And I would just, you know, I just say just, it, it, it is, it's about building uh, an advisory uh, and a, a, a group of folks who can check you at the door, right? Mm-hmm. You can say, Hey, wait, you're, you're looking to get a little out of bounds here and, 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 and be open to that. Right. So be able to, to see the warning signs and the signals. But life, you don't know, you don't know how much time you have on this earth. And you can't wait until you're 60 or 55 or 50 or some other number to, okay, well, now I'm going to, now I'm going to breathe. Now I'm going to yeah. take the weekend off. Now I'm going to, you might not ever get there. The promise and of someday. You, I, I, I'm right now I'm, I'm with, I'm, I'm working with my husband roles are reversed, right? We went to, to the Bahamas to celebrate our anniversary and guess who was taking phone calls? Guess who was doing email? <laughs> not me, not me. It was him. And so now it's my turn right. to help him not get out of bounds and, you know, or just, or just know why he's feeling the way he's feeling. He's feeling very disconnected from, from, from Charleston and home. And I said to him, I said, let's go look at the calendar. I want you to see what you've done the past three months. You haven't been here. Mm-hmm. You're gone every week. You're gone on weekends. You have people in town that you're entertaining. You're playing golf. Like, you don't have any you time. We don't have any we time. Right. And so open yourself up for help when you need it and, and help other people when they need it. This, 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 we, we've got to take care of each other. We, we have to be better to each other. Yeah. I couldn't agree with that more. I think the, the community we build around this, those that we have significant others or spouses, you know, and, and even in through this process for me, I've learned so much from my children who are all adult children as well. And, and I love that. Jill, I, I, I can't thank you enough for taking the time. I, I hope we get the opportunity to do this again because I think your willingness to share your your vulnerability, your authenticity, and and that's what I tried to convey in the book as well is just real authentic and and open and honest. I think it's refreshing. I think that people are going to learn from it. If people want to follow you, what is the best way for them to do that? Yeah, I'm most active on LinkedIn and Twitter, so connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm 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 still. I'm still here. I'm working. I'm a professional. I'm, I'm not out of the game. I'm just not playing the game 24 seven, 365, right? You will see me back in MarTech too, Carlos. Hear me now. You will see me back in MarTech. Good to hear. Venture capital is a layer on my career, but I know that the MarTech, sales tech, that those, those are my peeps. Like I'm physically missing them in, they're at serious decisions this week. 
do I have FOMO? Sort of. Yes. But am I happy where I am in Charleston right now? 100%. Um, I love it. But, but I, but I, but I, but yeah, so, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm I'm not disappearing. (laughs) I'm just not going to be, you know, on somebody else's schedule anymore. I'm not going to be doing somebody else's grind. And another advice for anybody on this career, on this um, listening, equity is your wealth creation vehicle. A paycheck, an income is how you pay your mortgage or buy clothes or groceries. But equity is the difference maker now for me in terms of how am I now able to not have a job? I don't need to work. I have enough money for the rest of my life. I don't need to work. So, and how did I get there? Through equity, being on the cap table of Salesforce, hundred shares, being on the cap table of Eloqua, lots of shares, being on the cap table of Marketo, lots of millions of dollars, right? Like equity, if you can find a way to either start your own company and you own the equity or get equity in someone else's company and make that company more valuable, that that's the difference maker. That, and that's where Inventor, for me, what I'm so excited about is I'm not going to become the next great venture capitalist, Carlos. That's not happening. I'm all about amplifying, shining the spotlight on those who are doing it, right? Women who are actually doing it or under, underrepresented who are actually doing it. I'm going to be the magnifier. I'm not going to be the number one on the top of the leaderboard, the Midas list of venture capitalists. I'm not getting trophies for the deals that I source and initiate. I'm going to shine the spotlight on all the great people in the industry who are doing the great work. That's what I'm going to do. I have no doubt that you're going to, you're going to do that extremely well as also. And I, I've experienced that. You helped me in my career and our business when we were small and, and exclusive with a competitive vendor. And that's how you and I met. We spent 45 minutes on the phone just talking about the industry. And I think the last, one of the last things you said to me before we hung up on that initial phone call more than a decade ago was, if there's a way I can help you, let me know. So that hasn't changed. And I love to see that at, at the, despite all the peeling off all the layers that needed to come off, you still stay true to your passion. Thank you. I have, God, when you, when you reached out to, to, to do this, I, there was no way I was going to say no. I mean, I can't say no to Carlos. Like we've been, we've been at this <laughs> together. And, um, I needed I've to talk to all my prospects. Yeah. yeah. We don't call them prospects though. Remember we call them future. Advocates. That's right. Future advocates. But you, I, uh, yes, I am mistaken and point well taken. Well, Jill, Isn't that thanks. a great way to end it too, though? It, Isn't that it a great is. way? It is we a great way to end it. Nobody wants to be a prospect. They want to be a future advocate. And that, that, is, very that true. is our job, right? That is very That's true. Great. Well, you, you have been a great advocate for many and for a category. And just your story has also have been just really affirmed what I've walked through. It's always good to know other people who walk similar paths, although all of our stories are unique. And uh, you can read mine and other stories in The Un-American Dream. So thanks for tuning in for this episode of the Flip My Funnel podcast. Thanks to the Terminus team and to Sangram for letting me commandeer the microphone yet again. I hope you all have a great day. And I hope this podcast is giving you plenty of food for thought. Thanks, Jill. Thanks, Carlos. 
You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.